We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. One of the best pieces of feedback that I've gotten during the pandemic with the masterminds that I run is that principals are enjoying talking about instruction and not just talking about COVID rules and regulations. It's one of the great things that we get to do in the mastermind is focus on the things that really matter. And sometimes we try to focus on other things, on the distractions that take us away from our vision, but we're always able to come back because our whole goal is to help us get our schools to where they need to be. So I would love to have you in there. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've probably heard me talk about it before. You probably have questions. Just go to jethrojones.com slash mastermind and let's set up a time to call, to talk about it. That's jethrojones.com slash mastermind and then click on schedule a call. I look forward to talking with you. Again, that's jethrojones.com slash mastermind. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I'm excited to have Dr. Gregory Gardner on the program. He began his educational career in 2007 in the Griffin Spalding School System at Carver Road Middle School. He was a language arts teacher, social studies, and remedial reading teacher. And he helped pilot the school's PBIS program and served as a member of the leadership team. And he is now a doctor, a principal of his own school, and uh, excited to have you on the podcast. Previously, he was on the How to Be a Transformative Principal series. You can get more information about that by going to jethrojones.com slash how, the number two, be, how to be. And that's where I talk with 
special guests. We do webinars each month, one where I'm leading something and doing some coaching, one where we bring on a guest, and then there's a newsletter component to that as well. And just something to make sure you're getting some good professional development throughout the month that is specific to you, where you're heading. And that's all. Uh, so Greg was one of our first guests on that, and I was really grateful for that. So Greg, welcome to the Transformative Principle Podcast. Thanks, Jethro. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here for sure. Yeah, well, I'm excited to talk to you. And I think, you know, we talked in the webinar about how to remove barriers and get out of your teacher's way so that they could be successful. And I think the, the, the path I'd like to go down today is talking about what it looks like to plan for next year when we don't know what's going to happen, we don't know what's going on. And so because we want this podcast to be timeless, also, we don't want to just talk about the pandemic, but we also want to talk about the things that we can do to make good educational choices for our people. And I think that you personally are exceptionally qualified to do this because you really put a lot of time and thought into the things that you're doing. So let's start by talking about what are some of the things that principals need to be thinking about as they make a plan for the following school year? Absolutely, uh, Jethro. So one of the first things I think is that's most important is to think about what do I need to do differently or what can I do that will serve my students even during the summertime? We've been having conversations in our district about learning loss. A lot of people magnify it, but one of the things I always tell my teachers is, of course, our students have learning loss, but guess what? All students do. So we, we can't keep talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. At some point, you have to figure out what are you going to do about it? So we're in conversations right now about what our summer will look like what the transition back to school will look like and what we can offer even during the summertime that we haven't offered before that can help our kids catch up. There was this graphic my previous principal showed me about students who are super engaged during the summer. They may be a part of summer camps. And so during the school year, of course, they're moving forward and moving forward. And and then when the summer comes and these camps come, whether that be a STEM academy or they get involved in some type of writing camp, whatever the case may be, they continue growing, they continue learning. And so as we've thought about what we can do, I've consistently thought about that graphic. But one of the other things is how do I get that into the community of my kids? Because I know my students and I know when the last day of school hits, they don't necessarily want to come back in the school during the summer and To be honest with you, I don't blame them completely because I do think they need a break and they need time to be kids and they need time to enjoy themselves. And they've been through a lot this school year and last school year. So what we've been doing as an administrative team is figuring out, do we open the doors or how do we open the doors and make it welcoming for them where they do enjoy themselves, but where they also get some learning. So we are planning to do an extended learning period during our summer, but we are also planning for it to be something that's engaging, something that's fun. I say similar to a summer camp because you get to know the kids, even our rising sixth graders, we want to bring them in so they get to know us. So I think about it because when I went to college, I graduated one week and then started college the next week. And all of the things that I did during the summer, when it was August, I mean, the new freshmen, they didn't know where to go. 
they didn't know who was whom. And so I use that kind of as a framework for what we can do for our kids. Because if we go ahead and bring them in, just imagine in two months time, when August gets here, you know, they know me, they know the assistant principals, they know the teachers that were there. And they, I can't say we'll be caught up, but we can feel comfortable knowing that we taken the data, we know what they need to work on. We've gotten to know them and we've built relationships because that's a bulk of battle. Mm-hmm. And then we provided them with access. I find that a lot of times with our kids, they don't have access. And I found that even during the pandemic, when you talk about internet access and how that created a major barrier for a lot of our students. Mm-hmm. So providing the access to them, I think that's going to give us what we need. Uh, and also just trying to figure out how we can support parents in supporting their students as well. And that's not necessarily something that we always go into the summer thinking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think it's especially important right now. You know, I think from what you said, two things really stand out. Number one, the relationships that you're able to build with your students so they know you, a couple teachers and the assistant principal, but then also the the opportunity to kind of get the lay of the land physically in what the school looks like, where it's at and all that kind of stuff. Those are really scary transitions uh, for middle schoolers to take. And, and one idea that I do want to respectfully push back on is this idea of learning loss. Learning loss is just something that we make up as adults, but it doesn't really happen mm-hmm. for kids because all kids are ready to learn whatever the next thing is. And I think we need to be really cautious about our deficit thinking when we think about learning loss and recognize that kids learned different things and it's okay that it wasn't the academic content standards that we that we had in mind for them, but they still learned a lot during this time and we need to value and respect that. And that's something that when you talk about supporting the parents, that's one of the things that if your parents are upset or stressed about their kids, quote unquote, being behind, let them know that their kids are not behind. Their kids are right where they're at. And regardless of what they've been through or what they've experienced, their kids are where they're at. And if we start thinking there, it's a lot easier to build on that than to feel like we're trying to race to catch up and fill in holes that were there that, you know, are just there in our minds as the adults, but aren't really there in the minds of the kids because they're, they're just ready for the next thing. Absolutely. I think one of the things that we do as adults is we tell kids and students, hey, you're, you're awesome, but sometimes we don't push or sometimes we don't support what we say because kids are resilient. You know, no matter what they come up against, like you said, it's talking. Kids do want to learn. They show up and they're ready every day. In comparison to us as adults, sometimes we show up and we're not really ready and we don't really want to be there. We're, we're not quite but, there yet some days. <laughs> right. <laughs> So if we uh, compare the two, of course, I would say kids are definitely resilient and they definitely will uh, live up to the expectation for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the things that you're thinking about for next year. You, you're you on your district task force for creating a separate virtual academy. And what are some of the things that you're thinking about through that? And we're certainly not pre-announcing anything for your district here or anything <laughs> like that. Don't worry. We're just trying to like talk through some of the things that we should be thinking about. So for example, one of the things that I keep saying over and over again is if you are not offering something different 
for your kids, besides just coming back to school fully in person, you're going to lose some kids and they're going to go someplace else because families, some families have realized that this online thing is actually pretty sweet and we need to value that. So, so what are some of the things that you're thinking about as far as school structures for next year? So the, the unique thing about my position is I have an opportunity to serve on a lot of different committees in our district uh, this school year. I almost feel like that's a sub job of mine. But so we have four different committees. One is, of course, the simultaneous committee that talks about doing in-person learning and virtual learning at the same time. Another talks about a separate virtual academy and then the fallouts of all of the others. But the one that I'm on, we talk about a different virtual academy or a specific virtual academy for our district. And as I've been on that committee, I've just continued to think about the things that we can offer for our students who have um, excelled in the virtual environment. A lot of times people talk about the kids who haven't done well in virtual environments, but on the other side, you do have kids who have just blown it out the out the water. Uh, one of my students I can think of specifically, he doesn't do well socially, but is a genius. And so virtual learning has been the thing for him. And he's gone from uh, B's and C's to straight A's. And when I say A's, I mean like 97s, 98s. Uh, when we talk about planning for students, we definitely want to uh, be, a, be able to offer something for everybody. I know one of the things that our district put out to principals, they were talking about the students that we've lost or the students that have gone other places. Of course, you know, you have families that would withdraw their students and put them in maybe a private institution because they were still fully open. And sometimes we've gone back from fully open to all virtual because of Christmas time happened. And then the numbers were booming down here in Georgia because Georgia never really closed. <laughs> so it was really interesting. But as I looked at the numbers also, I was doing or looking at my school improvement plan today. And at the time of doing it last year, I had about 470 kids. Uh, today, I looked at my numbers because I'm comparing the two as we're talking about losing kids, and I have 497. So, you know, you have to look closely at this data and figure out who is this working for and how can we magnify certain pieces of it to make sure we're open to everybody. Now, one of the things that we've consistently talked about in education is, oh, we have to do something new. But a lot of people, they're just not comfortable with, with doing that. They say it. But then you have the opportunity to do it. It's like, well, I don't know. When you come up against the challenges, okay, let's revert back to doing what we're accustomed to doing. So I think it's definitely a growth opportunity for us to structure out what we plan to do and then put some measures in place and pull some relevant data so we can measure these things up against what we were doing previously and make some strong decisions that will work for our communities. Yeah, and I think that idea of looking at the data closely and not just saying, oh, we have you know so many kids leaving and this is why, but to be able to understand what's the difference 
If we increased, why did we increase? See if you can find those people and ask them what's bringing them in. If See if you can find those who left and say, what's taking you out? And hopefully that's something that your district's already doing with kids who are moving out of your school, just so that you have an idea of where people are going, how many people are transferring to what different schools so you can tell if they moved or you can tell what, you know, if they went homeschool or something like that. I think those things are all really important, but then not just taking the face value of the data, but actually going deeper and saying, okay, what's really going on here? What are the things missing out on? What are the things that are really pulling people away from us? And really dig into that kind of stuff. And as you start doing that, you start to see things that where you could you could shore up some things, you could do things a little bit better. Right. And honestly, you'll find things that you realize that's way out of our wheelhouse and we shouldn't even be spending our time there. And, and that's okay too. And right. some things you have to recognize that you can't, you just can't do everything, you know, depending on the size of your district and the resources. John Cat Educational supports high quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says stop talking and start doing with regard to teacher well-being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. What are some of the things that you feel you're going to cut out intentionally from your school when you all come back? Uh, Jethro, we said that we won't make any decisions today. But I really hope that we cut out the simultaneous uh, teaching method that we use this school year. My teachers have done a good job with it. Um, I commend them for it. I was in a math class today, and one of the co-teachers, she was working with virtual kids and kids in the classroom, and then she would read the comments in the chat. And my math teacher, she's using the document camera, displaying that through Google Meets. I didn't want to leave. I mean, it was awesome. So I'm sure they'll pull some different things out of what we've learned this school year. But when you think about having to do both of those, one of those is going to lack. No matter how good it looks, at the end of the day, one of those will not get 100% of what the teacher has to offer. So that's definitely something I don't want to do. I don't plan to do. If we offer both options, I do plan to sign up for a committee to figure out how we can make that work without having to do the simultaneous piece. Because I think our our kids deserve it. If they sign up for virtual, they deserve to have 100% of a teacher serving them. And if they choose to come in person, they deserve to have 100% of that teacher. And you can put me on record as saying that as you have. (laughs) Well, and I think that that's a really important thing. We've We've tried something in teaching online and in person simultaneously, and it's possible for it to happen. And some teachers have really done a great job, but it is certainly not ideal. 
And there are two different modalities of teaching that require different skill sets. And instead of just saying, well, we did it, so we should just keep doing it. We really should say this is this is either A, something we should keep doing because we did it great and we should always do this, or B, this is something that we should not do because we didn't do it great and we really need to focus, or C, some combination. I think there's room for all of those, but to just walk into it doing it exact just because we did it before, should we should do it again, like that's not the right approach to take in my mind. And you really have to examine those things and say, look, we don't want to do that anymore. This is something that we can do. So if that means that the teacher is going to teach in person and for one right. period and be online for another period, that's a totally different conversation. And, and we can talk about that. But doing it simultaneously at the same time, I think it sets people up for for some failures for sure. Um, and not in a good way, not in a failing forward kind of way, but in a, you know, there's no way Absolutely. to be successful at this hundred percent. Anything else that you can think of that uh, that you would change? I think the other thing that that I'm curious about is what things from that different way of teaching are you adamant now that we need to take forward? So for example, you know, a teacher being on document camera and broadcasting that to the students. I mean, when I was introduced to document camera way before, it totally changed how I taught because it enabled me to like bring kids papers up and say, okay, here's where the mistake was made instead of me only demonstrating up on the whiteboard. So what are some of the things that have been really good that you definitely want to take forward to next year? Well, and Jethro, I can't take credit for this and I don't know if I'll make it anything that's mandatory or not, but I think it's good practice. Uh, so one of the things I've seen teachers doing is recording lessons as they've been teaching them. And then the, the funny part is kids ask questions and then sometimes they answer those questions themselves and the teachers don't have to. This same class, uh, one of the students, he asked a question and then he answered it. He said, you know, never mind. I'll go back and watch the video from yesterday because I believe you told us that yesterday and I need to see you do it again. And so just recording those things so students have access once again uh, to the lessons that have been taught previously. I think that's a common practice that we'll have in our building. I've seen it and I've heard it from multiple teachers across the uh, building. And that's one of the things that they've said has worked well for them, having kids be able to go back and view those videos and actually practice uh, the problems, whether it be math or uh, the strategies for language arts, whatever the case may be. I think that's something that will carry on and absolutely leveraging technology appropriately, you know, not just making it a worksheet on the computer, but really leveraging technology because our kids have shown that they can do things with these computers that we have that we've never, ever thought about. Oh, I, I brought up while you were talking a YouTube channel that I created when I was a teacher 12 years ago, uh, YouTube, Mr. Jones Ed, and I'll uh, put a link to that in the show notes if anybody's interested. But what's really fascinating to me is that all these years ago, I created this, all I put on there, and, the, and then I switched to using a different email address. So all I put on there was a persuasive essay writing of how to write a persuasive essay. And all I did was record it with my students um, as I was teaching it. And really, I mean, this was 12 years ago. So way back before flipped classrooms were even a thing. But so look at this one, part 15 right. conclusion paragraph example has almost 4,000 views. 
Now, I did not have 4,000 kids in my class, and people have continued to watch that because obviously that is a challenging thing for people to understand. But I made these 15 videos so that kids could understand it and know what to do, and I wouldn't have to keep answering the same question over and over. And I got to tell you, man, something little like that really made a huge difference for my kids because they could, like that student, they could be self-aware enough to say, oh, I think this was in the other thing. I should go back and check that out. Which when a kid does that, then you're not the teacher trying to like find how you can, you know, make sure they got all the content from yesterday, but you can make it available and then they can make their choice about how they're going to go back, find it, and then make make it up and, and understand it in their own way afterward, which is just incredibly powerful for those kids to be able to do on their own. Jethro, I think it goes back to what we've been saying. You know, it shows that they are resilient and it gives them access. <laughs> I mean, not to beat a dead horse, but that is really what it, that's like 90% of our issues, making sure that those things happen. So, so the final question that I have for you, Greg, is what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you? One thing a principal can do why, why didn't I? Why did I know that you were going to ask me this question? <laughs> <laughs> one thing they can do this week to be a transformative principal is probably one of the things I did last week. So I've started this new procedure. Um, I won't say it uh, because then people will be looking for it. But uh, to put it simply, I got out in classrooms this week just to see what was going on. I've gotten kind of swamped in my office with this planning for next year. And, you know, you have to do your school improvement plan, comprehensive needs assessment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I took a day and really popped in classes to see what was going on. And as I did my observations before I went, I emailed the teachers to let them know, hey, I'm coming to your class tomorrow. Is there a specific group of kids you'd like me to work with? Versus just going in to observe and making notes. So, of course, they sent me the kids they'd like me to work with. Uh, came in, sat with the kids. Uh, we're working. They're talking to me about their work and really educating me on some of this stuff because the way that we do math right now is beyond me. But I sat in with the kids on sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. And one of the things I was able to see is our kids are doing an awesome job and our teachers are doing an awesome job. And I asked the kids, well, what do you all need for the remainder of the year? What do you need to make sure that you do well on the test or what would it take for you to feel successful for this school year? And some of the things that they were telling me were things like time, more time. So that's where this summer, almost like summer camp comes out of. And uh, some of the other things were they were talking about downtime and time to talk to people and enjoy the time at school versus the content piece. So that goes back to like those relationship pieces. And the thing about it was they weren't talking about time with their friends, but time to just be in that space with their teachers. Because one of the things, too, we don't talk about often is teachers have been going through it as well with students. So if they're trying to, if principals are out there and they're trying to become a transformative principal, then one of the things I would say is spend time in classes as much as you can for these last couple of weeks of school. So you can really get a pulse of what's going on in your school these days. And you can really enact some change even now 
to make a difference in the students' lives. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Get in there, work with the kids. Don't just do observations on the teachers. I think that's really important. Right. Well, Greg, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for being here again, chatting with me. I, I love learning from you. Uh, if you want to follow uh, Greg, thank Same. you, Greg, on Twitter, it is at that man can teach. He's also got a great blog, that man can teach.edublogs.org. So you should definitely check that out. And then uh, just appreciate you so much uh, for being here. Thank you so much, Greg. Thanks for having me. Hey, middle school principals, what if I told you that all your teachers had to do to teach your students really valuable social and emotional competencies was just press play? In Control SEL is a fully automated video curriculum that teachers and students absolutely love. And that's because it's easy, and it looks just like a Netflix or a YouTube show. So all you have to do to hear about how it can completely transform your school is schedule your call. Tell us Jethro sent you and you'll get 20% off if you feel like it's a good fit. So go now to www.incontrolsel.com slash strategy call to schedule your call today. The link will be in the show notes. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, FlexTime enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your FlexTime work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.